So we, we've been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? Um, just recognizing the church calendar um, over these weeks. Uh, today is Ascension Sunday, but Jesus said, uh, I'm going, but I'm, you're not going to be on your own. I'm leaving the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be sending. So wait. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They're waiting, they're waiting. And then, and then the Spirit comes. And uh, over these days, lots of churches and all over the world, people will be thinking, reflecting on the person of the Holy Spirit. But we don't just want to do that on one special Sunday. We want to be doing that every day. We want to be being filled, as the Apostle Paul says to the, the church at Ephesus. So we, we said that the Holy Spirit is at work from, in us right from the start of new birth. We even described as a midwife. The Holy Spirit is like the midwife bringing us to birth, bringing revelation, bringing us alive helping us to understand who Jesus is and why he died. And so I would always say to anyone, if you're confused, if you're not sure about any of these things, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the, because he's the spirit of truth and he will lead you into truth. The New Testament also shows that for every Christian, there seems that there is this experience uh, or this awareness of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it is a bit controversial and it is debated as to quite when it happens and how it happens. All I really want to get into the controversy today is that I want to say this. I believe every Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not sure, you can be sure. I know from my own experience, it was quite a, a time after I became what I believe was a, a fully-fledged Christian, somebody pursuing Jesus, following him, before I even really knew about the Holy Spirit. I'll come back to that in a moment. But for others, on the day that they give their lives to Christ, they surrender their lives, Jesus is Lord, they would also say, I was filled with the Spirit that day. What I do know is, as we said on uh, the first Sunday, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. Uh, and so the Spirit is at work right from birth. But there seems very clearly to be this infilling of the Spirit that comes. Now, it's important to understand that this teaching is not just something from the last century. All right? It's not just... Not just since the Pentecostals came along, if you like. But it actually was part of normal Christian church life. When people became Christians, when they became followers of Jesus Christ, they were prayed for and filled with the Holy Spirit. But down through the centuries, uh, through different kinds of, of churches and church tradition, that immediate experience of being filled with the Spirit seems to have been lost in many Christians' lives. And I, I would say certainly my own experience. I had quite a number of years of being uh, committed as a, a Christian before I knew on one particular day, I was trying to work it out uh, the other week, when, uh, when I think it was, and I can't work the date out, I'd have to really do some deep research. But it was, I think it was uh, in 1987, 
Um, it was at a particular event. It was Prayer for Revival with Graham Kendrick. Um, those of you, some of you will know that name. I knew that I knew that I knew that day that the Spirit had filled me. Um, and I've always known that since. But I, I don't know what the date was. Careful. There's a good illustration that is sometimes used that I think can really help us to understand. Just take the picture of your central heating uh, unit at home, your boiler. Okay? Um, There it is. May or may not recognize it. Okay? The boiler has a pilot light, which is running all the time, God willing. Sometimes if your boiler really has packed up, the first thing they check is the pilot lights. Okay, but there is a, a pilot light. There's a, there's a lot of potential, a lot of potential for heating, for hot water. Um, but it, if you like, it's on standby. It's not giving out heat. It's not giving out power. And that, I know, was true for me and maybe true for, for some of you. The, the pilot light of the Holy Spirit was there. Um, I think people would have said, yes, there's something there uh, in Mark's life. Um, we can see it if you look carefully. But when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, the whole boiler mechanism, if you like, is fired up. And we begin to, to run as we were truly intended to run. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know that there is a difference. You can, you can feel it. I'm not talking about first and second class Christians. That used to be debated a lot. But I knew that there was something that I was longing for. There was something that I saw in others that I was not experiencing. And I, I was at that stage of saying, I want that. What is that? I want it. And, and longing for it. But at one stage, I had no one around me to explain what it was. Actually, it's a bit like the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip. It's like, do you understand what you're reading? No, I need somebody. I need somebody to explain. And, uh, and then I had a friend who began to explain to me and tell me um, and ask all my difficult questions. And he was the one who took me along to the prayer for revival event in wherever it was in London, Manchester. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know that there's a difference. You can feel it. Others know there's a difference. They can see it. One of the main reasons why we speak so often about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit is because we believe he's fundamental to our Christian lives. And so we continuously commend God's words and we continuously commend life in the Spirit. We want those two things to be in absolute tandem, the words and the Spirit. He's fundamental. The Holy Spirit is fundamental to who we are as believers. It's Jesus, if Jesus, sorry, if Jesus is who he says he is, and and we are convinced and convicted to follow him, then I want to suggest to you, we don't just want to tick over with a pilot light. We need every bit of power and strength that is going. Amen? Amen? Don't we? To go for it, full on. 
Some of you sometimes um, follow uh, the life of Mr. Mr. Downs, Greg Downs, and you say, how, how does Greg do what he's doing? One of the things I believe that he will be the first person to tell you is that I want to be full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. You think, how, could he, how does he have the courage? Well, God made him to be him. But one of the things I know is that he constantly prays that he might be full of the Spirit. So how does he have a word of knowledge for someone? It's by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit. And if we're going to be the people that God wants us to be and is calling us to be, we need to be full of the Spirit. I believe that's a word for us as a church in these days, to keep pursuing life in the Spirit. So what happens to people when they experience God's Spirit? There's at least five occasions in the book of Acts when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're different types of people. So I'm just going to take a few moments to look at these occasions because it might well be that some of us um, fit one of these. The first category is people who are longing. They're longing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you might be one of those today. If you long to be filled, can I tell you something clearly? You will be. You will be. So if you long to be filled, you will be. I believe you can and you will be. And what I want to do towards the end, again, there will be communion available, but I want us to pray. I want us to make space and to pray for anyone who wants to be filled with the Spirit. And we'll do that and we'll keep on doing that. On the day of Pentecost, group of people longing to be filled. They're waiting They're waiting. Jesus has promised something and they're waiting. Who are they? The disciples. They've been praying. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled. Can we just say all? Now let's say it. Bravely, all, all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the first week we were talking about this? Particular people, particular times, particular places. Now it is all, all, it's for all. No one is missed out. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. If you were hearing Angus spoke in a, a, a tongue, that, that would be described there. And I felt God prompted me to bring an interpretation of that tongue. So that's the first category. Those who are longing, and they were, and they were filled. There's a second category of those that we might say are, they're receptive. Okay, so you might say, well, I can't honestly say that I'm desperate, that I'm longing, but I'm open. This is something I've been growing in. I'm open. I'm receptive. Listen to this. This is Acts chapter 8 and verses 14 onwards. It tells us about the Samaritans. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them 
that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they're receptive, they're open. They've heard about salvation in Jesus. They've heard somebody has talked to them about Jesus. Maybe they knew about him, had heard about him. And so they had, as it says, they had prayed. um, Let me get the phrase right. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd been baptized. So they... They'd been baptized into Christ, but they'd not yet received this fullness and this filling. So if you're receptive, if you're open, again, we want to say, you can receive. You can receive. You can receive the Holy Spirit today. Now there is a third. There is a third category. Those who are hostile or anti or rejecting if you like it's possible that there's somebody here today that say do you know what I'm I'm in that category I don't really like this stuff or you might have met someone um, like that or you may know someone in your own family uh, circle or your work circle I'm not even sure that I really want to talk about this or to know anything about it you might say I'm not a believer or you might even say I'm I'm an atheist No one in history, probably, that was more hostile than the person who became the Apostle Paul. Stephen was the first person to be murdered, martyred, because of their faith. And the Apostle Paul, Saul as he was known then, was standing right there. In fact, he was holding the coats of those who were stoning Stephen totally agreeing with it, totally really organizing it and supporting it. Paul was right there, participating in the martyrdom of Stephen. And, and then after Stephen had died from the stoning, it says that he went around breathing out murderous threats against Christians, arresting them and putting them in prison. One day, One, he's on the road to Damascus to do even more damage. He's ready to really ramp it up, as it were. He encounters Jesus. The risen Lord Jesus appeared to him. It's like a blinding light, the Bible says. In fact, we can read about it in Acts chapter 9. Verse 17, it says he actually went blind. The presence and the power of God. There was something that not only uh, spiritually happened, but physically. There was this dynamic encounter with the light of God. And it caused him to go blind. And then God called a man called uh, Ananias to go to Saul. Um, He becomes Paul. Saul is his name, and then Apostle Paul is who he becomes. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained strength. He then spent several days with the disciples at Damascus, 
At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Here's someone who was totally and utterly hostile, but he encountered Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And as he's encountering the Lord Jesus, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately he's out there starting to tell people, Jesus is the Son of God. I've met people like that over the years. I've, I've got good friends. I was thinking this week of, of different ones. Particularly one or two men that I, I know who are now, are now would count as friends. One man particularly I remember. He was a, a very senior martial artist. Um, in fact, he's the only person in the world who knows one particular kind of martial art. Um, it was taught to the commandos in the Second World War. He was a very hard man, very tough man, very big man. And, but God began to work in his life, changed his life, turned him upside down. And now he talks to people about Jesus. He'll go up to complete strangers. He's still quite intimidating. He's a very, very big guy. And he, <coughs> I always used to say to him, he could kill you with his little finger, but... Um, one thing I remember about him one day, we used to have at Swindon lots of Gurkhas. And you'll know the Gurkhas. I love the Gurkhas. I've got some very dear friends who are Gurkhas. And uh, <clears throat> uh, one of these Gurkhas walked through the door one day. They're little guys, but they can be fearsome. As If you've ever met a Gurkha, you will know. And he was shocked to see Clive in church because Clive had taught him uh, what to do with his panang and how to use it and, uh, and how to take people out uh, and all sorts. And this guy recognized Clive from being trained by him in the army. <clears throat> Clive gave his life to Christ. And uh, he now tells other people about Christ. And his, he got filled with the Holy Spirit and it is profound to see. His wife went along to Alpha because she wanted to prove that it was all a load of rubbish. In fact, she went to the church she went to, she decided to stay in the car park because as far as she was concerned, everyone who was going to come to the car park was going to come in Mercedes and BMWs and all of those kinds. That's literally why she was there. And she sat in the car park and she said that nobody turned up in any Mercedes or BMWs at all. In fact, the cars were all a bit rough. <laughs> I remember her. And, and she went in and she, and she went, she said, I'm going to go to the Alpha course, but I'm going to prove that it's all wrong. And uh, she went and she argued and she debated and discussed. And uh, she would come home and Clive was praying for her, but he would just let her discover. And uh, again, she met with Jesus. Profound encounter. Now the thing about Kaz is she's a kickboxer, so she kicks people in the head. But uh, they're, they're a great couple and they now share their faith with everyone and anyone who will listen. Um, and they train and equip lots and lots of people now in self-defense, um, particularly in Newbury, huge groups. But they constantly, if they ever get a chance, they will talk to people about Jesus whenever they can because they've been filled with the Spirit of God. They once were hostile, far off, but have met with God. A fourth group of people are those that you might say are uninformed. <clears throat> I would say that was me 
as a, certainly as a child and as a teenager. Maybe there are some of you here today, you'd say, this is all quite new to me, Mark. This is all quite different. I've been a Christian for quite a long time. I've, I've been to church um, a lot, maybe even regularly. But you'd say, I've never really understood or heard about this stuff of the Holy Spirit. That certainly was the case for me. I'd not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit, really. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to highlight something, the the scriptures up here at the moment. This is what we do in checking foundations. One of the things about the apostles is the word apostle means to be sent, to lay foundations. But apostles, if you like, will also check the foundations. So the first thing they say is, Have you received the Holy Spirit? So sometimes people will come to us, they'll come to me, to others of us, and they'll say, I'm really struggling and battling, and we want to be able to say to you, have you received the Holy Spirit? Well, no, I don't don't really know who the Holy Spirit is. But the thing they do is they check. They check the foundations. And so that's what we want to do. You see, we can't pray for someone to be full of the Holy Spirit if they don't know that Jesus is their Savior and Lord. And so they then said, well, what baptism did you receive? Because clearly they were disciples. What baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, they replied. That's John the Baptist. And they said, well, that was a baptism of repentance. That was a get ready baptism. Get ready because the Messiah is coming. John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one who was coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Just want to uh, let you know, we'll be talking about this some more, but our dear brother, uh, Mark Blanchard, who went to be with the Lord a little while ago, many of you know, has recently left us a legacy in his will, which we're so, so thankful for. In fact, it, two and a half thousand pounds which is just wonderful from Mark. Um, We've also received a gift from a a lady who likes to think of us as her church. Um, uh, uh, She's sort of a friend of a friend of of Joyce's. She lives in Ireland. But she sent us a gift at Easter as well. She also sent Andy and Colette a gift. And so what we've done, and been talking with Jill, and uh, Mick's helping me to do some research, we're gathering it up. We want to have a baptistry. I want to have a baptistry. Somebody should get excited about that. Okay. We've never had a baptistry. We've got a font at the back there, but it's a bit tricky for adults to get in there for total immersion. We have the sea. That doesn't mean we're not going to stop being baptized in the sea. If you want to be baptized in the sea, every time I'll go for it. But we want to get one of these ones that we we can put up and put away when we need to as well. So we're going to have a baptistry, which I just think I'm so excited about. It means we can do baptisms at any time of the year. And we, what a legacy from, from Mark as well. Isn't that wonderful? Um, but there is this, there is, there, is a, there is a, 
what shall I call it? There is a flow, there is a, there is a stage to go through. You see, I've known people, I've prayed for people, and they feel a touch of God. But then they go on and it goes, it dissipates and it, and it goes. But there is an infilling of the Spirit that I believe is for each one of us to receive and to know and to walk in day by day that doesn't leave us. Because the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, He comes to live within us by His Holy Spirit. And so what you find uh, on the day of Pentecost and in these other situations in these churches, they're checking the foundations. What should we do to be saved? Believe and be baptised and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And so there is an order. There is an order. I will pray for anyone at any time, but one of the things I want to say to them is, do you know Jesus as your Saviour and Lord? Because we can pray in God's grace and in his sovereignty. He will touch the lives even of people who say, I'm not yet following Jesus. But I want along that they might know Jesus as Saviour and Lord and that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so that's what we're wanting to do all the time. So I had thought we might, but I think you'd have to be very brave at the moment. I had thought we might stop here and say, look, here's communion. But because lots of you have now taken it, you can say Jesus is Lord. So I'll give an opportunity in a minute. I'm not going to say to anyone, unless anyone right now says, I want to just come and take communion right now. Is there anyone who'd like to, who hasn't done that yet, would like to do that? We'll, we'll, I'm going to give that opportunity. We'll put the table here and there'll be more opportunity again in a minute when we pray. In each of these accounts, there is something that is happening. Something that is happening. Something that can be felt and experienced, seen and heard by others. I want to look at one more <coughs> example. This is the story of the Roman centurion. It's important to highlight that he's a Roman because he's, he's a Gentile. Up until this point, only the Jews who'd become believers in Christ had received the Spirit. And Peter has this amazing vision up on the roof. He's praying and this sheet is let down and he's encouraged to eat animals that as a Jew he wouldn't normally have eaten. But God is speaking to him about the fact that he's pouring out his spirit on all people, all nations. It's not just for the Jewish people. It is for you and I. It's for the Gentiles. Um, and so in Acts chapter 10 we have this story of Peter going to speak to Cornelius and all of his family, his servants, his workers. They're all going, and God tells him, it's okay, it's okay to go. It's okay to go and share the good news with the Gentiles. Listen to what happened. So Peter is expounding the gospel, the good news. While he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, who'd come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Even, even the Gentiles. 
And in fact, they go back to Jerusalem. They tell the story. Peter's explaining the gospel. He's talking about Jesus. And the Spirit fell. How did they know? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. There's a clear, something is happening. There's a change. The Spirit is coming. Peter had to stop his talk because something was clearly happening. We can say, can't we, that it was a a powerful encounter that was seen and heard and felt by everybody there. In the Bible, the filling of the Holy Spirit rarely happens imperceptibly, quietly behind the scenes without anyone knowing. But it's also true that it will be different things for different people and different ones will experience different things. For Cornelius, his family and friends, it's obvious that something very definitely had happened. I would say they experienced power, the power of the Holy Spirit as they were filled with the Spirit and they started to speak in other languages and praising God. Spontaneous praise, spontaneous thanksgiving is a sign of people who are excited. They're thrilled to experience the presence of God and it it comes out of them and flows out of them, even maybe out of their phones, Angus, who knows? (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Perhaps not surprising, it affects the whole of us, including our emotions. And so, I know that for many, as they encounter the power and the presence of the Spirit, a sense of the presence of God, warmth, acceptance, love, forgiveness, all sorts of different emotions, but different things for different people. Now, some of us may fear emotion, and I can understand that. I understand it. But the truth is that all healthy Relationships should involve emotions. In marriage, for instance, we would say that something was definitely wrong if no emotion is being felt or shown. Some people might say, but is it right to express emotion in church? It's not very reverent, is it? The Bible encourages us to love, praise and worship God with the whole of our beings. All that we are. Many Psalms talks about it. Talks about, you can go through the Bible, it talks about using our voices, using our hands, using our bodies, the whole of our personalities. Does that mean everyone should jump up and down and sing and dance? No, because we're not all like that, naturally. That's not how we've been made. But some of us probably should, and we hold back. <laughs> but the whole of who we are. The Holy Spirit enables and empowers us to do that. But what about these languages? These other languages. The Bible sometimes refers to them as the gift of tongues. What's that all about? Well, it's a big subject that we could probably take a whole morning on. But the word for tongues in the Bible is the same word as the word for languages. It's the ability to speak a language that you've never learned. It may be an angelic language, not recognizable to anyone else. 
It may be a recognizable human language, as on the day of Pentecost. They said, how come we can hear them all declaring the praises of God in our own language? I had a situation once where um, in a previous church, I prayed out in a tongue to God, a prayer of praise and thanksgiving in a language. And for me, I didn't recognize it, but I just prayed it out as I felt led. And then... um, At the end of the the meeting, a very timid lady came forward. A friend had brought her forward. She was from another nation, and I wish I could remember where she was from, but she was from a different nation, and she didn't speak very much English. And she said, we need to tell you something. I said, okay. She said, when you were bringing that tongue, this lady could hear what you were saying in her language. Uh, and as you, as you were praying, you were saying, I love you, Father. I love you, Father, and other kind of phrases. And uh, I've never forgotten it because you don't know. Um, in the prayer meeting this morning, I am absolutely convinced that Mike, Mike Groves brought something in uh, indigenous American um, uh, language, in what we might used to refer to as the Indians, the American Indians, but the language he was bringing to me, I thought, if there's an American Indian here today, they, they would know what he was saying. But it was, uh, it was amazing. And, but Mike brought an interpretation because um, we're not going to know, we're not going to be built up and encouraged unless we have that interpretation. So that's why we pray for it. But my spirit, Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, my spirit is praying to God. And there's a sense of release and, uh, and empowering. Paul also says that when I pray with my spirit, I edify. It actually comes where we get the word to eat. I actually build myself up. One of the reasons that I often uh, encourage people to ask God for the gift of languages, the gift of tongues, because Paul says, I will build myself up. Don't we need stuff that builds us up? We do. So on the days when I'm battling, struggling, or whatever it is, I have to prompt myself and remember, come on, pray in tongues. Very often when I walk, I choose to walk here most Sunday mornings if I possibly can. I will pray in tongues from Gurnard to Cows, you know, 20-minute walk, whatever. And I'll pray because I want to build myself up. But also my spirit is praying to God. And uh, it's something, I'm not being taken over, I can stop it and start it at any moment, but I, I'm being filled and, and, and I'm, my spirit is alive to God. It's an empowering and enabling thing. <clears throat> I'm not limited, I can express things to God that I run out of English words to say. Um, back in uh, January 2012, I, I, I got... Uh, mentally exhausted, I think is, is probably the phrase. I got to a point where I had run out of uh, juice and uh, it was a very challenging uh, few weeks. Jackie was absolutely amazing as she stood with me in it. I didn't lose my faith and our marriage was strong. But one of the things that I know in those first couple of weeks was that I prayed in tongues. I prayed and I, I prayed. I, that never went. I prayed and asked God to, to fill me and strengthen me and help me. And others would stand with me and sit with me and, and pray also. So do all Christians who are filled with the Spirit speak in tongues? Well, in my experience, I would say it seems to happen very often, but not always. Sometimes it happens a bit later on. Sometimes there are things that people have to to work through. 
So we have to say that it's not necessarily a sign of being filled with the Spirit. I, I would go on record as saying that if you don't speak in tongues, it doesn't mean you're not filled with the Spirit. It does happen often, but not always. What we want is, the important is to know that as we become followers of Jesus Christ, God invites us into an incredible relationship with him, to walk and talk with him daily. And my cry, my heart, my longing, and we'll pray into this in just a moment, is that we would walk in that walk as fully as we possibly can, by the Spirit. So we're receiving. So I don't want us to get hung up on these things and we can get into massive debate and argument over the gift of tongues and prophecy and these other things. What we want is to build ourselves up and we want to build one another up, don't we? And we want to encourage others in that also. What we need to do, therefore, is to trust God and to trust his Holy Spirit, that he will bring us into all that he has for us. Of course, the gift of tongues is only one of a whole list of gifts that God gives us. Paul encourages the, Holy, uh, the new Christians in Corinth, be eager to have all the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because prophecy almost always is about encouraging, strengthening and building. So we want to have that gift, building one another up. It's always a good thing. So just as I come to a little conclusion now, before we have opportunity to share communion again, if you'd like to, and to pray for one another, what does it mean? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Three very quick barriers, and this is very quick, and then three positive responses, if you like, to those barriers, all right? Doubt, fear, and being unworthy. Doubt. There are many doubts that people have in this whole area. Is this really for real? I can see that it happened in the Bible. I'll give you that. But is it still the same today? Probably the biggest concern in that is, what if I do uh, pluck up the courage and go forward? What happens if nothing happens? Will I, will I receive? What happens if nothing happens? So there's a doubt there's a concern. Fear. This was a big one for me personally. Fear. And you may even, some of the things that you've heard me say even in the last few moments. You see, I'd heard things. It was all very new to us in our, our church. We certainly did anything like that in our kind of church. I was worried that the Holy Spirit would make me do things or, or make me Make me say something I didn't want to say that would make me look foolish. I'm laughing now when I think. But at the time, I was fearful. What was I actually going to receive? I'd, I'd even heard about people sometimes falling down. I didn't want to fall down. That didn't sound like being in control. It sounded distinctly out of control to me. Come back to that in just a second. Unworthy is the other one. Unworthy. For lots of people, especially perhaps those who are new to the Christian faith, we can live all the time, and I think maybe all of us, with this vague feeling of unworthiness or inadequacy. 
We can't believe that God would want to give us anything. Well, certainly not in the state I am at the moment. Maybe when I'm a bit better, he might. That Actually, this filling of the Spirit is for advanced Christians. But it's not for, it's not for me. Let me conclude. These can be barriers. Interestingly, Angus gave me a word in the prayer meeting beforehand. He said, he said, I feel like there can be barriers, but God wants those barriers to come down. Barriers can be overcome. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Now, that's a famous verse that we often hear. And we talk about salvation. And the verse in Revelation where Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in with them and eat with them. But listen to the context. Listen to the context. Do you see it? Which of you fathers or mothers, if your son asks for a fish, will give them a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, that sense of, you know, you're not God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's the context of ask, knock, and seek. Now, yes, it applies to salvation. Invitation today to come asking for forgiveness, seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. But the context is asking to be filled. So in just a moment, the opportunity to come forward, you say, well, why do I have to come forward? You don't have to come forward, but coming forward is a step of asking. And sometimes what I have to do is to step out I have to cross the line of my fear, of my doubt, of my unbelief. I know that myself. I literally have to go and do it. I have to physically move. And in the physically moving, God works. You might say, I want to go home and pray. Please feel free. Let us know. Let us know so we can pray for you. But the ask, I want to encourage us today, let's be those who are asking. You say, I'd love there to be more tongues and interpretation. I'd love there to be more healing. What are we asking God for? Prophecy. Are we asking God? Words of knowledge. I'd long, I long that that baptism, baptistry will be filled with lots of people. Let's ask God. Let's be a people who are asking. How much more would your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in just a second, I'm going to say to you, are you asking? Jesus said, ask and it will be given. He repeats that in a number of ways. Often we find it very hard to believe that God would give us anything, let alone something as unusual and wonderful as the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you, ask. Don't doubt. Believe and you will receive. Fear. What will happen? This is where I came to. I came to a realization that God loves me. He's a God of love and grace and mercy. That God wants the best for me. 
He wants the best for you. He's not in the business of harming us. He's not in the business of letting us down. That when we come to God asking for good gifts, that's exactly what he wants to give us. Good gifts. How much more? He's my dear Father God. We've said that, haven't we? Abba. Abba. Dear Daddy God, as my Gurkha pastor friend used to say. He wants the very best for me. And so I began to realize he wouldn't make me do things that I didn't want to do. But I found myself responding to him. Trust him. He wants to do you good. And then lastly, unworthy. It's important for us to know that there is no unforgiveness or any other sin on our lives that cannot be forgiven. Jesus' blood was shed for all on the cross. Jesus does not say your heavenly Father is ready to give the Holy Spirit to advanced Christians. He says your heavenly Father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. Can I invite you to stand? Malcolm, could you just help me to move this back? Here. Just, that's it. The communion emblems are, are going to remain here. If you'd like to take one, share it with someone else, maybe for the first time or just as another opportunity. Hannah, would you be able to help us musically? I'm going to put up here John 7. John 7, 37. These are the words of Jesus. This is the last and the greatest day of the feast. And Jesus stood up with a loud voice and he said, If anyone, is there anybody that's limited from that? No. Anyone. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. For out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That's you and I today. We are part of those. All of us, if you're a believer. I want to invite you today to bring your thirst. Are you thirsty? Come to the Lord Jesus. There are rivers of living water that he wants to bring to us today. springing up from in, inside us, spiritual waters. The Spirit is His gift to us. What He said to the woman at the well, He said, you can drink from this water, but you'll get thirsty again. But the water that I will give you will last forever. There's something full and something eternal and lasting. I just, I want to speak to all of us today and say, are you thirsty? Are you dry? Then come. Not come to me, come to the Lord Jesus. But the Bible clearly says that they laid their hands on them. So I, I will lay my hands on, I'm sure Ashley might join in, others of us. Not to make something, but to ask God to come and do what he wants to do. To bless. So you might say, I'm dry, I'm thirsty. I've known the Spirit in the past, but 
I've got empty. Come and be filled again today. Come and be filled again. You might say, I'm not sure I've ever known this. This is a first for me. Well, we'll ask you. We'll ask you and we'll say, what, what is it you're asking for today? We'll ask you. Come and be filled today. So come on, who's going to be brave? Who's going to be the first one? Who's going to come? Who's going to come and stand? And I'll turn the microphone off. Who wants to be filled again today? Les, come on, I want to pray for you because you always want more and then you can give it away to others. Mean that because Les has fallen over that everyone has to fall over. Please hear me. That's not the case. All right, you can be as stand up as we can have a chair if you'd like it. What we want is the more of God. What we want is to be filled with God. Lord, just keep filling Les as much as he can take of you. Lord Jesus. There's others of you that maybe you say, This is new to me. Um, you can talk to others about it. I just feel like there's some people here who just say, Do you know what? I'm thirsty. I want more. Um, we're going to sort of officially finish in a second, but don't, don't hold back. Press in to God. Come and, come and get what God's got. Ask. Be brave to ask. Um, be being filled. Um, you, you might say, I've been filled before, but Paul says, be being filled. It's this present continuous thing. And uh, if we're going to be the people that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the church he wants us to be, we, we must be filled. We need to be filled. So let's be being filled. Yeah. Come and fill us today. Lord, I, I bless your people. I bless your church. Even this week, Lord, as we are out and about with neighbours and friends and Lord, as we're just in the street and next Sunday as we just are, as it were, a church out in the open, Lord, fill us with your Spirit, Lord. I pray that even the attitudes that people might expect from us will be different. Lord, that your presence and your power would be seen and evident in our lives. Come and touch us, Lord. Come and meet with us. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus.